G'day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Guitar Wank podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, out of uh, no choice of your own, Troy McCubbin, and we're here in the lovely Prohibition Studios in North Hollywood, California. We really appreciate you listening in and supporting us with this podcast that uh, has continued on in 2016. We're, we're aiming to make it through the rest of the year, and we're doing good at 39. Scott's out on the road, as you probably know if you've gone to scotthenderson.net. He's out on the road. I believe he's probably in, I don't know if he's still in Asia or Latin America, where he is. But anyway, he'll be back in a couple of weeks. But uh, thank God we recorded some fun stuff before he left. And uh, yeah, so we're going to play that for you today. It's uh, basically continuing with some of the questions that we are answering from all your lovely emails. If you have a question, if you have a a suggestion, um, a topic, um, or if you just want to share your hatred or abuse on the show, send it to guitarwank at gmail.com and we will read it. And, uh, and hopefully share it with our listeners. Another thing uh, Bruce suggested, which I thought might be really fun and just mix things up a little bit, we are accepting audio questions now. This could be opening up a massive can of worms, but we're willing to do it. So if you have a question, uh, you know, tape it, uh, tape it, record it, do whatever you need to do to get the question down, introduce yourself, keep it short and sweet, and uh, just the question, and send it to gmail, uh, guitarwank at gmail.com, and uh, we'll accept it, and uh, we'll put it on the air, so we'll hear your question, and then we'll answer it, So, and then I don't have to sift through all the questions, uh, you know, but we're accepting also normal emails as well, like as normal, but this is, if you want to send your question in as an audio file, just do MP3, record it on your phone or whatever, however you want to record it. There's no points for how great it's recorded. But yeah, whatever you want to do, send it in and uh, we'll put it on the podcast and then we'll answer the question. And yeah, it's just something different, something new. And uh, it'll be good to hear people in their own voice asking the questions. I think that'll be a lot of fun and uh, I'm sure we'll have a lot of fun with it. So I'd like to take this time to thank our sponsors, Diodario Guitar Strings, uh, Fishman Triple Play, Jimmy Dunlop, Guitar Picks, My Music Masterclass, Sennheiser Microphones. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate all your support. Sir, Guitars and Amplifiers, fantastic stuff. Wireworld Pro Audio Cables, Exotic Pedals, uh, RiftmasterPro.com. Uh, check out all of those people. You will find it on our website, guitarwank.com. Uh, remember, we have T-shirts and we have mugs. And uh, for those people who are waiting on new T-shirts, I believe we have some coming this week. So uh, we will get them out to you uh, ASAP and uh, um, take care of that. A um, couple other things. Uh, what else is happening? So as I said, Scott's away and... Uh, we're going to be doing a lot more as soon as he comes back, but we've got plenty of shows lined up. We've got John Pisano coming up. We've got Tim and Tim Pierce and Pete Thorne coming up. We've got more of uh, Steve uh, Kinsey, uh, who we had on last week. And uh, yeah, all the feedback has been amazing and we, we really appreciate it. Keep it coming. If you have a company and you want to advertise on the show or be a sponsor, Contact us at guitarwank at gmail.com and uh, we'll, uh, we'll get into it for you. So we'll do that. 
Funny thing, the other day, I'm reading the emails as I do with my morning coffee and I get an email from a lovely lady who I I really enjoy her playing and have been a been a fan of for many years, Jennifer Batten. So Jennifer Batten emails me and says that she was listening to the show and heard that we were, you know, I was asking for Lukather, we want to get Lukather on the show. I'm a huge fan of Luke. Just, I mean, the guy's just so badass. Love his playing, love his singing, his songwriting, everything he does. I think he's badass. But anyway, so Steve Luke that. So she gives me Steve Luke this email, and I email Steve. Steve emails me back, and we go back and forth. And he's totally down into doing the show. So, so excited to announce that we will be having Steve Luke on the show. Um, it might be a little bit down the track because he's touring. Out, he's out with Ringo Starr and uh, and all the guys doing that. But when he gets back, we're getting him on the couch, and I think that'll be a really really fun show. Um, Steve just lays it all out there as much as Scott and Bruce, which I love. And I think getting those three guys together and just letting them shoot the shit for an hour or more would be a really, really fun show. So I'm extremely excited about that. So I just wanted to say, Jennifer, thank you so much. That was very cool of you, and we really appreciate you listening to the show. And I invited Jennifer as well, and hopefully if, when she's coming through LA, we'd, we'd love to have Jennifer on the show. I mean, remember her in, uh, when she was Michael Jackson? And, I mean, she just exploded on the scene, and it was like she had the look, and it was awesome. Anyway, I remember all that. Uh, maybe you young guys don't. Maybe you old guys don't because you weren't listening to that style of music. But anyway, I remember, remember Jennifer. She was kicking ass. And I'd love to sit her on the couch and um, pick her brain. And and yeah, and I, I think her and Scott are good friends. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so fingers crossed we get Jennifer Batten. But uh, we will hopefully definitely get Steve Lukather. And, uh, and more guests to come, which will be a lot of fun. Um, I think that's about it. Oh, what else? I have one more thing to say, which is uh, this last Saturday night, we had, um, we had Mr. Bruce Foreman and Danielle D'Andrea, D'Andrea uh, sing and do an intimate concert at, here at Prohibition Studios. And we're, we're going to be doing a lot more of these type shows here at the Prohibition Studios. They're very intimate. Uh, you know, we make it a lovely evening. It's very uh, vibey and cool and, you know, candles and the whole decked out and wine and hors d'oeuvres and, you know, it's a, it's an experience and it's really great because it's so small and intimate that everyone gets to hang out and chat and it's like a little party, get together with amazing music, we record it and we're going to put this up on the internet at some point, we're going to release the show um, and hopefully it's going to be an ongoing thing that we will incorporate with uh, everything else we're doing here with Guitar Wank and Prohibition Studios. So, yeah, so look out for that. That's going to come up. We're going to uh, uh, get that out there and put it out in the airwaves, and we're going to start having uh, regular artists come into Prohibition Studios and do these intimate evenings, and uh, we'll take it from there, and uh, it, we'll see how it goes. But uh, I just wanted to let you guys know to look out for that because... You've got to see Bruce um, and how he plays and supports like an amazing singer like Danielle. These guys together is, it's ridiculous. For just coming together, no rehearsals, a quick rehearsal the day before and bang, just doing it like they kick ass. It's, It's just such quality, an amazing caliber of musicianship and, uh, and to watch Bruce and how he 
supports Danielle, the vocalist, and how they go back and forth. It's really, really awesome, and I highly suggest uh, every guitarist to check out Bruce's playing. And the coolest thing about the whole gig is he's playing on his um, resonator guitar. He didn't use his L5. He used the, the National Resonator guitar, which sounds really cool. And you know, the whole time, I mean, he's fighting the shit out of this thing to play it because it's it's not an easy guitar to play, but it just it has a whole new thing going on. And it's really exciting to hear Bruce doing something a little bit different. And uh, these guys just kill it. So I will um, let you know when that comes out and we're going to put it out and stream it to you guys. It's about an... I think like an hour show, but it's it's such a fantastic concert. It's really cool. So we'll be doing more of that at Prohibition Studios as well. So keep an eye out for that. Let's get back to Guitar Wank. Thank you again for all your support. We really appreciate it. And for all your ears, Mr. Bruce Foreman, Mr. Scotty Henderson, what do we have for the listeners this week? Um, hi guys, love the podcast. This is Ryan Bray. I was wondering if you have any advice about ear training, anything from some basic ideas to more advanced real stu- real world stuff. Also, if you can speak about Alan Holdsworth a little bit, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, you know, my ears, I can't train them to do shit. They just sit on the side of my head and they don't do a fucking thing. It they pisses me off. Level. How do you train an ear? You know what I mean? It just sits there. Luckily, it doesn't shit in the house. But other than that, you know what I mean? You guys. Train it not to get wax anymore. You know, it's great. Hair don't grow on my head, but it sure grows in my ears. I I did know this one guy who had a perfect ear. A perfect ear. A perfect ear. It didn't have a hole in it. Wow. Well, I'll answer his question Good. seriously. <laughs> you know, well, thank God we have they, someone sensible they, here, they Scott. Really do, Scott Henderson, the sexist they, one. <laughs> they really do teach the ear training stuff in school for a reason, and it's it's pretty much just what you'd think. You know, it's it's like not rocket science. You just have to learn to distinguish intervals from the root, and then once you're able to do that, you know, which they teach in basic, every every school teaches ear training. You know, what's a fifth? What's a fourth sound like? What's a third sound like? What's a seventh sound like? And then the, the minor intervals. And, you know, the, you you learn those. And, and, and once you've learned them, so the fact that they're like colors to you, just like mm-hmm. seeing red and blue and green, you know, becomes second nature, then you start having really good relative pitch and you're able to distinguish you know, chords, and, and you hear the difference between a, a, a minor chord and a major chord and an altered dominant chord or minor 7 flat 5 or a diminished chord. Mm-hmm. And you're able to hear that harmony so you can just hone in on any little one chord of a tune and tell what kind of chord it is. Yeah. You know, and then you start transcribing, and, and the more you transcribe, the better your ear gets. And the more you play with other musicians and play off them and try to hear what they're playing, the better your ear gets. And over time, your ear gets almost, for some musicians, I, I would say that it, it gets pretty close to perfect pitch. Right. It's not. It's not perfect pitch, but you can develop such good relative pitch that it's almost like you have perfect pitch. Have you, you guys, um, even yourselves, but how quickly 
can you work you guys work stuff out like how quickly do you pick stuff up now are you surprised yourself how quickly me, your fingers quick yeah I mean, yeah i mean i hear it i can play it yeah pretty much yeah but i mean not like a big long phrase but three or four notes yeah. at a time you know when i'm transcribing i never do more than than three notes at a time you know two or th- even two notes at a time right get those two move on to the next two get those two move on to the next two maybe sometimes i can get four at once or even eight at once if i know the lick yeah you yeah. know but but yeah you just you know just do it all the time and i i've seen like one of my teachers in school was amazing he was a bass player and he would just put on a train record and and just transcribe it right there on the board just listen to it and transcribe it he didn't have perfect pitch just had really excellent relative wow. pitch. He knew the chord progression of the song, and he could just hear the notes. And I don't think I could do that. I, right. I, I'm not. My ear is not good enough to do that. I would need my guitar here and there. But there are some things I hear where I could easily write it down. I know exactly what it is. Yeah. But if it's like uh, you know a solo over like a pretty complex set of changes, I'd need my guitar right. to transcribe it. But this guy could just put on just about any jazz record and just transcribe it by ear right on right onto the blackboard and he didn't have perfect pitch he yeah. just had really excellent relative pitch and uh yeah I don't know. dude bruce you've got that ex- ex- had that experience or has your ears besides having holes huh? in them? <laughs> <laughs> well no I mean, yeah it's basically uh, yeah, everything he said. I mean, it's you. You learn to hear because you hear a lot. You spend your time listening to stuff. You identify it. No, you. you yeah, I know. It just sounds funny when you say it like you that. You just identify intervals. I mean, now when I go to sleep, I, I'm hearing music and I can see where it is on the guitar. I can see where it is on the keyboard, depending upon where, you know, which instrument I'm envisioning. Yeah, I can just hear stuff and know exactly what it is and I don't have perfect pitch but you know I get to the point where I hear something on the bandstand I can put my hand on it yeah and if I, as long as I don't stop to think about it it's, you, it's, have, it's, it's that quick I mean I'll hear something I'll just put my hand on it and I go wow how did I know that well you know I've been doing this shit for 40 something years I've been paying attention sorry <laughs> you know you know what, one of the ways I really developed my ear was not even through jazz at all but for many years, I was the leader of a top 40 band, or many top 40 bands. Mm-hmm. And I was, was always the guy who had to write the charts, because I knew how. Right. So I'd have to listen to the tune and transcribe it and write <clears throat> the chord chart for everybody. And I did that so much that I just got really quick at it. Yeah. And, and then when I started transcribing more difficult music, like Weather Report or, 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 or you know, jazz, original jazz music, you know, then you really, your ear gets really in-tuned when you start not just transcribing single lines, but chord progressions. Yeah. Then you really start hearing stuff. Yeah. And, um, and then transcribing horns, um, I mean, uh, sorry, uh, chord progressions and the lines that go over them. And you get pretty good at it. It, it, it. It's surprising how the more you do it, the better you get at it. And it really happens fast. Like, yeah, it's, that's exactly it. The more you do it, the better you get at it. It's just it's hours in, hours out, proper paying attention to it. That's really what it is. And yeah, I mean, I could listen to a tune on the radio on the way to the gig and then play it on the gig. Yeah. In general, I mean, if it's not super, super, you know, in depth and difficult or got a lot of crazy shit going on, but if it's just a basic tune, 
Yeah. There's no problem there. Yeah, here I play. It. Yeah. Does it work the other way if you're not? Because I notice when I get a gig and you, they give you, all right, you got to learn these 20 songs by next week. And the first two songs are so hard that then your ear starts to get in tune by, and then right. you fly through the sure. rest of them. Exactly. But does it happen to you guys where if you're not doing a lot of that, your ear loses a little sure. bit? Sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. It's like a muscle. There's never a second yeah. where I'm not. With me, I'm always improvising and playing, so I'm always hearing. So I never really get to a place where, you know, I mean, yeah, never so, gets rusty. Yeah, be, yeah. I mean, but it would if I didn't. If I just like, you want to keep it on yeah. top of it. Yeah, if you weren't on top of it, you could get rusty. Sure. I remember this one experience. I was producing this pop record a long time ago for this girl, and and her pitch wasn't that great, and and um, I had to. This was before auto tune and. I had to tune her up, like manually using, you know, whatever. What <laughs> your hands? What I'm scared your, to ask how hands? you did that. I wish it was that way because she was hot. But, but no, no. I mean, I had <laughs> to literally, Anderson. you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so now you start pointing the finger yeah. at me. Right. He's got, you know, friend, I'm, I'm getting right? blamed for your sexism. <laughs> no He's got to point at the sexism. <laughs> so anyway. No, I had to use the, you know, the actual manual tuning of pitch yeah. where, you know, take this down from anywhere from point one to point, you know, nine of a half step, right? And I started to, to okay, well, let's try point minus point four. Okay, let's try plus point three. <laughs> and by the end of that session, which took about a week to yep. tune her up, I could hear, I mean, a hair. Wow. I could hear the difference between point one and point two of a pitch, yeah. Because my hearing had become so tuned to, to to getting it right, you know. It just it was just doing it over and over and over and over, yeah. And I it, I was surprised how good I got at it after a while. And before, when I first started, I wasn't very good at it. But yep. after like the second or third day, I started really hearing. Okay, that's not a plus two. That's a plus one. Right. That's a plus three. It was and it was yeah, in. man. Yeah. I could dial it in, and now now I would probably not be able to do that because I use a tuner when I tune my guitar. <laughs> I sure that sure has screwed don't. me up. I'll tell you, I I, I think the best invention <coughs> in my lifetime is the guitar tuner. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I mean, I can't it. tell you, you know, and yet at the same time, it's also horrible because. I'm not so sure I could do the goddamn thing. <laughs> Me neither. Tell you the honest <laughs> truth, especially fast. Yeah, yeah. you know, I, mean, no, I, I, t I do. I tune it while I'm playing because you know, me, yeah. I, don't, I don't allow tuners on headstock. Well, when I when I hear that I'm out of tune on stage, I can definitely find the strings out of tune and tune it up and get it pretty close. In fact, I, I always amaze myself because when I first put the strings on my guitar, I'm able to usually tune the E to perfectly an E. Yeah. That's the only note I have perfect pitch for. And I always get an E, and I go, okay, how close did I get? And I put on the tuner, and it was dead on. I always somehow get the E dead on. I can't hear the other streets for shit, <laughs> but somehow the I can e. hear an E. And then right? you go from and, there. And, and, but, but live, I can usually tune a string if it's one's out. But man, as much as I use the bar without that guitar tuner, because I can just turn turn off the guitar while Travis is playing a solo and tune, tune up. Right. It's so easy. Yeah, have, you know. have you met people that come across, I don't know I have, and I know we know a singer that's particularly good at this, that um, their, their pitch is so good that it also almost becomes 
a little too annoying because they're trying, no, 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 you got to tune that up a bit. And it's like, yeah, you know, to my ears, that sounds actually pretty good. But they're like, oh, no, 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 it's got to be. Well, and it starts to inhibit the music because they want it too perfect. Have you come across that where that's been a, a, an issue? Well, no. Anybody that wants it too perfect would never hire me. <laughs> me neither. But <laughs> I, I've worked with three musicians that had perfect pitch. Yep. One was Joe Zolinal, mm-hmm. another Steve Tavaloni, another was a friend of mine in Florida, Jamie Grant. And the, the, the being out of tune didn't seem to bother him that much. Okay, okay. But, but it was amazing what they could do, because I could play duets with Joe and play any chord, go from any chord I wanted to, and he would immediately be able to play over it without even you know, having to stop for even a millisecond to right. hear okay, what, what's this chord? I would have to stop for a second and go, okay, yeah, okay. But he could just, boom. As soon as I play the chord, he's blowing over it right. because he's perfect pitch. Yep, yep. You know? and, and you know, a lot of times you know, he would say, you know, you know, you went to an A minor there, I would have gone to an A flat minor. It probably would have sounded better. <laughs> <laughs> you know? but, but he usually liked the chord progressions I played. I usually would play diatonic harmony for him Mm -hmm. so because he didn't like it when he had to switch around too much so i'd play some diatonic harmony for him then i would modulate to another key and play some diatonic harmony then modulate to another key and play some diatonic harmony so i didn't like it's not trying not trying to stump the soloist Mm. you know i'd keep it nice so you know he'd be playing in one key for a little while then switch to another key but when those key switches happened it was incredible how he was just boom on it Right, you know, which nobody—if you didn't have perfect pitch, anybody would have a hard time. You just, yeah. you know, being able to just transition not even take like a that. breath, but just <laughs> transition right into the right. next key. But have you had yeah. people? You've met people where that the whole perfect pitch has been a little bit of a hindrance because anything out of tune just uh, rubs no, them not the wrong me. way. No, it never yeah, bothered. I've known people like yeah. that who just yeah who who have seriously critical perfect pitch. Who are in pain most of the time? Really, it, the yeah. out of tune thing would bother them. Yeah. Oh uh-huh. no, they're in pain most of the time. Wow. And uh, and of course now you know like a four, a is like four forty two in most instances. So if you're older and you were a four forty, now everything mm-hmm. is, even if it's in tune, it's out of tune. Mm-hmm. It, depending upon where you're where you're set perfect. You know, is it perfect at A440? Is it perfect at A439, 441? You know, I mean, that for those people, that matters. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not, there's, there's, there's levels of perfect pitch because I've got a lot of them at school. You'd be surprised how many of the kids I teach now have perfect pitch. Wow. Really? Really wow. become a preponderance of things. And, um, and some are like freaky perfect pitch. And some are just perfect pitch, kind of. You know, they, they can hear the pitches. You know, and it, and them it doesn't bother them. Mm-hmm. But this one guy I'm thinking of, who he was one of my teachers when I was a kid. <clears throat> his job was basically he worked for the symphony, and they would send him uh, they, a recording or of a, of a symphony, and he would transcribe the entire thing, and he would sit there with a score pad and listen to it and just write it all. And out. just write it down. Wow. Yeah. And uh, and he was a good guitar player, but he had certain issues that was really funny. Like he couldn't trans he couldn't transpose a tune to save his life. Mm-hmm. Really, if he knew a tune in G, and you wanted to play it in E flat, he had to just relearn it in E flat. He didn't have this whole way I did of like relative pitch, where mm-hmm. it's just like you give me the 
give me the starting place and everything's the same. Yeah. To him, it's like, no, every tone has a different sound. Therefore, he couldn't even relate to the idea mm-hmm. of perfect, of uh, relative wow. cycles. Shifting. Shifting. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah, okay, he knew it in G. He had to, I had to teach it to him in E flat again. Well, I might be one of those guys, too. <laughs> I'm not the best transposer, either. I'm pretty slow. But, but I do remember my friend Jamie Grant saying sometimes that he would walk into bars, and if the jukebox was playing a song, yeah. like, in between two keys, yeah. that it would drive him well, nuts. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, because yeah. yeah. it's right in between uh, that would be kind of nuts. But I'm I've sure. had a violin student who, like, when the door squeaks, she can. Oh, uh, yeah? She yeah. It well, this so same much. guy, Jamie Grant, he transcribed a lot of those songs off at Atlantis and he doesn't even need a keyboard. Yeah. He, just, he can just hear the chords and hear everything and just write it down. He's one of those guys, if you just put your arm down on the piano and hit a bunch of keys, right, he'll, he'll tell, tell you, you which ones you hit. Like really? That, like yeah. that guy on, the, yeah. on Facebook, yeah. whether or not it's true or not. Yeah. But yeah, no, that's, there's lots of guys that can do that. Yeah. And that's not. I wish I had it, I'll be honest with you, but I don't. But so. it, doesn't, it doesn't necessarily straight away make you a great musician. No, you still have to learn to play No, you still instrument. have to learn how to play. But A, you have to but, learn to play your instrument. B, you have to have an, a creative idea to what yeah. to do with it. Yeah. There's so, a lot of people that have perfect pitch and they never become musicians. They never know they have it. Yeah. So it's just crazy. something. It's whole, I think you're just you're born able to using a certain part of your brain that other people can't use. I mean, when, basically. And and there are those. You know, I don't know. Are you in the union, Scott? No. Okay. In the union newspaper, there's this guy who has this ad about you can develop perfect pitch. Well, I've know? seen that guy. Yeah. Oh, is yeah, that with yeah. the colors? It, 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 no. And I I'm tempted to do it. I'm mm-hmm. now I'm so fucking old. It's like what's the pro? What's the point? I'm gonna die soon anyways. But. <laughs> You know, I do all this work just to die with perfect. I'll hear the last sound. I'll go A flat. <laughs> I'll hear the sound of that truck running me over. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, it's a B natural. That's like the, that's like the joke about the bridge over the rainbow. Right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like like you're in the coffin and the hinges the hinges sort of squeak. You go E flat. <laughs> you know that guy, right? No. You know, he's oh, playing, up, he's playing over joke. the rainbow in his room, and he, every time he gets the bridge, he can't remember it. So he he's just in gets Europe. He's in Europe. Upset, Paris. yeah, he's, he's in, in Paris. Paris, and he gets upset, and he just throws himself out the window. And then here comes the ambulance. Da, 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 da. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wow, on that. <laughs> that's a good one. All right, here's a question from Jeff. Jeff Miller. I wonder if he's related to Miller. Jeff Light. Miller? Jeff Miller. I wonder if it's Jeff Miller. Oh, this is Dallas the San Bergen. Luis Obispo. No, it's guy. Jeff Milholland. Well, I got Jeff Miller. He okay. said, Bruce, Whoops, it's San okay. Luis yeah, Obispo, yeah. California. <laughs> yes. Not San Luis Obispo. Yes. Duh. Yes. <laughs> Duh. And, and, he didn't write duh. I do I want to say that that guy is one of the most talented web designer people, along with he's a great musician and a great human being. Who? This guy who's writing this. Oh, Jeff Miller? He's, he's a friend of mine. Well, yeah. maybe Jeff should handle our website and make it I'll look really you, we, pro. You know, he is, he's really an amazing, talented, What's gifted guy. Plays bass. Mm. Jeff, since you're a really great web guy, you want to fix our website and make it look even cooler? Um, Jeff writes, in the, the term virtuoso. 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 Virtue, you know, I'm saying it Aussie style. Jesus Virtuoso. Christ, they don't have many over there. I, guess. 
<laughs> I went and seen Jim Jeffries last night. You know him? Oh my god, I love him. Fuck, man. I went and seen him. We He's had the so weirdest funny. night. It was it was a crazy night where, for us. Where was he? At the Ace Hotel downtown LA. Mm-hmm. He was mm-hmm. great. But me and Sarah are there. And first of all, we're standing up to let people into our row. And Sarah says to me, Oh, Troy, grab your, your drink. They're going to knock it. So I leaned down to grab my drink. And I stuck my head straight into her wine glass. And wine tipped all over my head. Oh, nice. So that was great before the even show started. And then we're halfway through the show. And Jim Jeffries is like, All right. I'm going to talk about Trump, show us some Trump supporters. We won't pick on you, just put your hands up. And these people put their hands up, blah, blah, blah. There's, a, there's like three. And, and next minute, this guy gets up in like a, two rows in front of us and just hurls his glass at the woman in front of us. Like, Who was the r- Trump person? No, he was the Trump person. Uh-huh. But he, she said something or something happened. He just stood up and threw the glass at her, the plastic cup. And the whole glass went all over Sarah, so she's all wet. And there was a big fight, and Jim Jeffrey's like, whoa, whoa, stop. He stopped the whole show, anyway. So they kicked them all out. But uh, apparently when the guys clapped about being a Trump supporter, the girl behind him tipped her glass down the back of his neck. So he reacted violently, Uh as all Trump supporters do, (laughs) (laughs) and threw his glass. And they all got kicked out. It was a lovely evening. We had. Wow, sounds great. It was great. It was a lot of fun. So where were we when we started this? Jim Virtuoso. Virtuoso, yeah. Yeah, he wants to know, what's your opinion? You guys being two virtuosos. Uh, what is that? That would be virtuosi. It's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's being that we're going for San Luis Obispo here. We should do this. Right. Oh, Jeff, you've opened up a can of worms, mate. Um, the definition of the word is that it's a person who is highly skilled in music or in other artistic pursuits. But I've heard it um, used on players like Frank Zappa and blah blah blah. Um, basically, what does it mean for you guys? Like. Uh, he, he says also means someone who can play, for example, Bach and classical. And I guess he's trying to ask basically, what do you guys think about that word and how it's loosely thrown around? And who's a virtuoso? Is Ingve Malmsteen a virtuoso? Of course he is. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I. I mean, I, who I the fuck really can like play to, like that? I don't really like to use that term in such a rigid way, you know, because because. You know, I mean, anybody could be a virtuoso. You know, B.B. King is a virtuoso, right? I right. Mean, because, I would say so. Well, yeah, yeah. You know, he yeah. doesn't. He doesn't have a huge vocabulary or anything. He doesn't play fast, but he's a great, great musician. So why isn't he a virtuoso? Because well, if you look at it the other way, um, then you could look do you at have a bunch to have of a certain technical amount of chops to be a virtuoso. Yeah, you know, I, I think in general, mean, you know, yes. In terms of what the real meaning is, yes, of course, anybody who's a great expressive player would be a virtuoso. Mm-hmm. But it's become to mean somebody who has a lot of chops. Well, who that's has, what I mean. The word is is not. I don't think it's meant to be a literal word. It's, well, it is, well, to, but you know, come on, we words have to mean things to us. So right, yeah, but there's you know, if you're a writer, of, I mean, if words don't mean shit, it's like notes don't mean shit. So but there's the degrees of you know, but a virtuoso of, generally applies to somebody who's got incredible technique on their instrument. They're not mm-hmm. talking about an artist. We're talking about a virtuoso. 
person okay. who can get around on their instrument with incredible command of the instrument. I believe that's what that means if you looked it up. And, I, and so I would not really, I would put B.B. King more in the artist place than the virtuoso place, than a person who's got just incredible chops. To mm -hmm. me, that's what I think virtuoso was, virtuoso was always, and virtuostic playing <laughs> was always intended to mean. But what about if the guy can, has amazing chops, but he sucks? He'd still be then a virtuoso. He'd still be a virtuoso. Yeah. yeah. Like, oh. okay, so okay. that's where it's loosely thrown around. That's very loosely. That's because I have a hard time no, calling someone again, a virtuoso again, that no, can't play. Because, because incredible yeah. chops and not being able to play really can't coexist. I mean, no, yeah, they can. Well, no, you'd be okay. You'd be, what you're calling incredible chops, I'm sorry, it's not musical, so therefore he's immediately discouraged. Oh. Okay. Well, that's different because you I know need, a lot of guys with incredible chops that can't play right, at no, all. Right? No, no. A virtuoso would have to have control of said chops. Okay. And be musical. Well, that's that's definitely you know a Paganini. Thing. <laughs> I mean, I think Paganini was the was the mm -hmm. ultimate model for mm -hmm. virtuoso. And he's one of my f least favorite classical musicians of all time. Right. Well. <laughs> Yeah, but yet you can't say he wasn't good. No, I can't say he wasn't good. I can't stand his music, but I can't. I I can't say he wasn't good. Okay. You know, so yeah. so I mean, yes, I, but again, and like we the, we use the word artist, we use the word genius, we use the word virtuoso. Yeah, and I was going to say genius. What is things. genius? Well, you know, I mean, to a lot of people, it's, I can transpose any key I, I know in any key, any song I know in any key. Some people think I'm a fucking genius for that. I'm thinking like that's like just functional professional in my world. But I'm not even functional or professional then. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not a genius. You Was know what Frank I mean? Zappa a genius? I would I would say so. Yeah. I I believe so, but that's just my opinion. You know what is that's worth nothing. <laughs> what? All right, I, think I would that's say right. I put him in the genius category. Yes, um, on a lot of levels too, not just musical. Who? Frank Zappa. If you ever listen to him talk, oh, how insightful he was, crazy how, intelligent. How well, yeah, I mean, and he was a, really yeah. funny too. Yeah, that too. But I mean, the guy was amazingly deep on so many levels. Yeah, he's he's pretty badass. So I would give him genius. You know, Dweezil, he, the rest of his family was suing him for using the Frank Zappa name when he was going on the road. So he had the name his his dad's album that he or band that he was going out and recreating yeah. a completely different name or something because he's his family was were going after him for using the Frank Zappa mm. name. Let's not talk about family, Weird. okay? I'm, uh, I'm not really interested. In <laughs> I can, yeah. That's that's. I get it. All right. I so, get it. All right. Well, Rob Bentley would like to say that you guys suck. <laughs> that's what he you. says. Well, he goes. He goes. Horrible. He's been listening to us. We, yeah. we, we, we've been saying that all along. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm joking. Rob oh. loves... He <laughs> oh. are so gullible. I love it. But no, it's true. We've been saying it all along. I'm waiting for somebody to agree with us. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, Rob says, thank you so much for the informative and entertaining podcast. We do get a lot of great emails. I've got to say, I've been a long time Scott Henderson fan and have the Tribal Tech catalogue. Whoa! Is there a catalog of Tribal Tech? There, I guess there is. There's. Are you guys like, gonna what, do a best like of eleven albums? Why don't you do a best of? I think we did do a best of. Oh, you it's did. Called Primal Tracks. Oh, it's like a best I, of. 
I tribal, to... tribal. Yeah. <laughs> primal, tribal. <laughs> yeah. Did you call it that? No, it's called primal tracks. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Primal, tribal would have been hilarious. Yeah. All right. Um, thanks for all the great music. Thanks, Scott. And I also appreciate the chance to have a question or two answered by Scott and certainly would love to hear Bruce's point of view also. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> That was great. <laughs> that was that was real. I wish I had that on tape. You too can play. I guess I do. It's really, that was really, really good. <laughs> While I am aware one of the better ways to support music is to buy records from the artists, I am guilty of listening to plenty of music on Spotify before deciding on making a purchase. What is your opinion on music streaming services and how have they affected your career? work in general i think we've kind of touched on this before haven't yeah we? but it's a good question yeah. it's good let's do um, it again yeah okay. it's not a like, Go ahead. I mean, it was asked good. for scott so scott you well i'm just i'm just going to come right out and say that though i make very little money on spotify i the reason that i signed up for it um and and you know when i put this album out vibe station because this album i put out myself and i put it on cd baby they did ask me do you want to be part of this service? And I could either decline or, or right. go for it. And I, I, I thought, go for it. Yeah. Because even though I don't make very much money on it, if someone hears it on Spotify, they might like it and decide they want to buy it. Yep. And so we hope that that's the way it works, like a movie trailer. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you like the trailer, you just go see the movie. <clears throat> yeah. Um, for, for those folks who enjoy it and keep listening to it on Spotify and don't buy it, then you're not doing whoever it is, me or whatever artist it is, you're not doing us a very good service. Mm -hmm. You're not you're not really helping to support us to make a new album by not buying the actual product. Where that that just be off iTunes for ten bucks or nine ninety nine or buy the record for fifteen bucks. Um it's nice to have uh um have it on your computer and not have to go looking for it. And it's also a service to the artist so that he can keep doing what he's doing. Yeah. So um, I don't have anything against Spotify, but at the same time, I think that if you really enjoy something, you should you should support the artist and buy it. That's it. Yeah, I agree with that. Bruce, do you have anything to add to that? I totally concur, 100%. Concur. Plus, he didn't give a shit what I said. He was just... <laughs> well, well, Rob says, after previewing Vibe Station on Spotify, he was so... So impressed he downloaded it, the rec for record free. from iTunes. For free. <laughs> for free. <laughs> from a Russian BitTorrent site. <laughs> he went to Napster and got it for free. Now he went to iTunes and he paid for it. Thank you so much. Now Thank that's you. what I'm talking about. Right? That's a fan. And right your there. estimation, Scott, is downloading rec a record from iTunes a good way to support an artist or... No, it's a great way to support or an artist. Or is there other download services that are more beneficial? No, he really no. wants to go... No, no, seriously. Wow. iTunes is awesome. And, and if you bought it off iTunes... I'm making nine dollars, just so you know. You spent nine. You spent nine ninety nine for that record, yeah. And only a dollar of it went to Apple. Wow. I'm getting nine bucks. Well, that's great. From the sale of that record, but so thank you very much. That's a great way to buy music on iTunes. I feel but a I still really want to suggest since this guy is obviously probably one of the most. One of the, you know, even though he doesn't care what I think, he's one of the <laughs> nicest people we've ever talked to, and I really appreciate that. But, you know, there's always a donate button here at Guitar Wake. 
That's what I was going to say. He if feels like, help I out, feel like Rob just wants like, to give. Think about this. We have so to drive much. over here. I drive over here. We, we take time out. We could be, we could be working a $10,000 a week gig, like Scott says. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're here making a free podcast. So, you know, I mean. Free. Another way to support this adventure, you know, <laughs> poor Troy's got a baby to feed. Oh, my God. She's, she's. Barely, the breast milk has run out. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, that's your fault. <laughs> Everyone's just that was Scott it. who said that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's that's funny. Rob's, Rob's from Austin, Texas. I go to Austin, Texas a lot. I love Austin. Oh, man, Austin. i got to give a shout out. Uh, who? Austin, Texas. There is a man there named Steve Dean. Steve, Steve Dean. Steve Dean? Yeah, he was, he was, uh, he's just like the most incredible Texas bon vivant guy. The Texas what? Bon vivant. Great liver, you know. Uh, great lover? Liver. Liver. Oh, I like to live, in, live in a good way. Okay, liver, life. Yeah, life, life, liver of life. Right. Lover of live, uh, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, He's like he's like the quintessential Texas dude. Drives in a pickup truck, wears a hat, but he's a Austin guy. You know, total arts lover. Knows every band. Knows every player. He actually managed Stevie Ray in the early days. Wow. Uh, he's been there since the very beginning. He's booked my band Cowbop down there a couple yep. of times. He's just a great friend, and he's going through some health issues down in Austin. And I just want to say, the guys like him, they're just you know. There's too few of them, and they're they're they just don't they ain't gonna make more of them. Right. So Steve Dean, Steve if you, Dean, for, for any chance you're listening, man, big shout you're, out. You're a fucking inspiration to everybody. Oh, it sounds like a great bloke. I'd love to meet him. Yeah. Good, good guy. Well, I hope you feel better, Steve. We're thinking of you, mate. Um, number three and, and barbecue. This what? cat is so into barbecue. Oh, he's a barbecue guy, man. When he was booking me. <laughs> All he would, I mean, before I even met him, all he would talk about was barbecue. You know, like, oh man, if you go here, you got to go eat here. You got to go eat here. Yep. Like, and in Oklahoma, they got this thing called fried bologna. He says, he says, if you go to an Oklahoma barbecue place, you got to go to a place that has fried bologna. But whatever you do, don't eat it. <laughs> but everything else is going to be great. <laughs> Some kind of shit like that. I mean, this guy, all he talked about was barbecue. And so. I'm finally down there on tour, and we're doing the gig. He says, I'm going to come to your gig, you know, tomorrow. So so I'm looking for a guy that weighs like 500 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and there's this guy, he's my age, who walks in with like a shark skin suit and the cowboy hat and the boots, and, you know, he's got two beautiful young women with him, you know. And that was Steve Dean, you know. I was, <laughs> I was expecting like some porker dude, you know, who'd been like you know, in, a, in a barbecue coma. <laughs> Oh man, it sounds like this guy would have some stories. Oh, he's unbelievable. I love it. He's the kind of guy you'd expect in a Cadillac with the Longhorns on the front. Oh, really? You know, that's Perfect. what you'd expect him to drive, yeah. Perfect. I love it. I love it. Well, Rob wanted to know Vibe Station is a great record. And it, dude, it is. Fucking sounds so great. It's such a great sounding record. Thanks, man. Um, beyond the writing and performances, the sound of record is fantastic. It sounds like an extraordinary amount of time went into capturing the sounds and mixing the album. After the songs have been written, um, give us an idea of how long the tracking and mixing took to create such a great sounding record. Well, the tracking three took days. A long time. What are we talking? Four days. <laughs> <laughs> we took three days tops, right? Well, let's let's not really talk about the tracking because the tracking is part of actually making the music and that's that 
that took a long time because I mean I was on the road in between. So you so can't you, really you weren't count. doing it all at once. I was no, no, I couldn't okay. do it all at once. No, I but the to, rhythm section work. tracks were done. The rhythm, the, the 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 basic tracks were done in two days. Oh wow! Yeah, I mean those those was were that with fun. Travis and Travis and Allen. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was two days in the studio. Yeah. Period. One day to get sounds and one day to play the music. Did how many so, like you were obviously there when they were tracking? Yeah. Were you and I like, played? Yeah, I played. Oh, you live. played with them? Yeah. And okay. a lot of those live stuff is on the record. Yeah. Yeah. But not, I would say, not a lot of really important stuff. Okay. Not a lot of important stuff. Yeah. Chord stuff, you know, uh, just parts stuff, mm-hmm. you know. A lot of stuff I, I kept, and I used it as, like, I doubled it or something like that. Right. But when I tracked, I tracked it home, and I did it over a period of months because I was traveling and you know i'd work on it a week or two weeks and then go on the road then come back and work on another two weeks but the mixing process took seven days we mixed it in seven days wow which but i have to say that as i track i mix okay so all the guitars are already mixed pretty much right so when the engineer came in who was alan the drummer Mm -hmm. all he really had to do i i don't mean to make it sound like that it was easy yeah but but because he's a great engineer and he got great bass dr- bass sounds and drum sounds um but all he had to do was take that group of guitars and mix it with the bass and drums pretty much the all the guitars within themselves were pretty much done right so he was fine tuning basically he was fine tuning yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah but something that i could never do because i'm not a good enough engineer i don't know enough about drums and bass to make them sound right i couldn't even mix a drum set the right way I yeah. mean, I would probably get something too loud or not loud enough. So. Right. So he's great at that. And then um, we recorded at 96. And, of course, if you record at 96, it's going to sound better than 48 or 44. It's going to mm-hmm. sound deeper yeah. and more musical. And then we gave it to the, the key to what makes the record sound so good is the mastering. Because we gave it to Joe Gastwert, who took the whole project and ran it onto half-inch tape before... He mastered it, and that is magic. There's just nothing like it. Wow. There's nothing like recording to tape. If you can't record to tape, at least take your computer mix and run it onto tape. Onto tape. Because it takes all the digital spikes out of... I mean, I don't care how good the recording is. Any computer recording is going to have these kind of funny, just really spiky things that happen especially in the cymbals and the guitar Mm -hmm. just going to be there's just going to be frequencies that pop out that hurt your ears the tape just magically gets rid of it all wow it just just it's like pouring magic juice on the music it just really it just makes it sound really smooth so he he makes it he runs it through that runs it through tape runs it on onto tape tape. and then masters it wow yeah were and, you there and, for that process? No, that... no, I was not there, and okay. I don't want to be there because I don't know his speakers, and I don't, you know, he knows what he's hearing, and yeah. I trust his ears because yeah. he's so good. Yeah. But that running it onto tape, it's not just that smoothing out the frequencies. What it also does is it adds a natural compression. So he didn't even use any compression on the on the music at all. Yeah. Which is a beautiful thing because when you when when you compressed music that's meant to have dynamics you ruin the music yeah yeah and and uh, it's great for rock and roll or it's great for whatever or for 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 pop you know for pop or whatever 
but but for jazz and you want it to be you want it to have a lot of dynamics and feel really like it breathes and so not compressing it is the way to go but the tape adds just enough natural compression to get everything just sounding a little bit more even and smooth and it just works magic yeah. I can't just say it I can't say enough about it was that the first time you've done that no I've done it before right okay. um, but but that's like a really you know he did such a great job and I think really him and Alan are the main reason the record sounds so good it's not because of me you guys because, would, would you do any vinyl I'd love to, but I don't know how to sell it. I mean, it, it costs a lot of money to ship. Mm. If I thought there were enough people out there that wanted it, I, I, I never got any requests for it. So right. I just never thought that, that, you know, I thought people would be happy with the CD or whatever. But if I got enough requests for it, I would do it because I think it's a cool idea. Like a collector's... I know a guy that did... Yeah. Um, he, he would do his stuff in vinyl and he would do a bunch of like... Yeah. He would do 50... And it'd be a, like a collector's yeah, item kind of I thing. Yeah, I think Mike Landau did some vinyl of his last record. Yeah. Instrumental, organic instrumentals. I think he did some vinyl of yeah. it. And, and, and yeah, it would be something that I would do if someone asked me, enough people asked me. Um, anyway, that's a long answer to that question. But. No, that was cool. That was cool. Uh, have Scott, or, this is from Matt Phillips. Good on you, Matt. Um, have Scott or Bruce ever experimented with non-standard tunings? Have you, Bruce? Well, yeah, because I just couldn't tune my guitar. <laughs> I haven't, honestly. The only non-standard I've ever used was playing slide on a dobro tuned to an E chord. Okay. So you know how when you, you know that yeah, sound. Yeah, You know, it's just a... It's like an A chord Are you a, a good G slide player? I'm a really terrible wannabe slide player. Okay. That's why I like the bar so much, because right. it reminds me of slide. Yeah, it's kind of got that feel. But, but I'm, I've never used alternate tunings, but maybe Bruce has. No, I mean, I have at times just screwed around with them. And I sometimes I'll just turn, tune the guitar to various things and try to play it just to screw my head up. When one artist that comes to mind, and we know the guitar tech, Kyle... Um, Danielle's husband, yeah. who's out with Annie DeFranco. Right. I can't remember how many guitars. Like 17 different tunings or something. It's wow. ridiculous. Is it a studio like, guy? No, he's he, a tech for He's the for, tech for, for, for Annie like DeFranco. A songwriter. Oh, I see. She's a she's she's a amazing artist that went. She was one of the first like seems like one of the first artists back in the day that did the whole independent i'm not going to go over record label thing uh-huh. she was kind of big for that right and, i remember her what yeah. about Joni mitchell though Joni mitchell used alternate tunings all a lot right. on yeah. her guitar and it's a, a really good way to compose yeah. it yeah. is yeah yeah because yeah, you can just it. use the shapes you know to in an alternate tuning you get a whole new sound mm-hmm. of chords i think frank Gambali at one time was doing an alternate tuning of his guitar so that he could play more in closer intervals, minor seconds in the chords. Well, Dory Kaimi does it. Uh huh. He has two B strings on the top instead of a B and an E. Uh huh. And um, Keith Richards. Did he really? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Keith yeah. does, doesn't he? Uh-huh. Doesn't he? Doesn't he play with five strings? Yeah, which which makes sense. The low E string on a on a guitar just gets in unless the it's a telly. It's pretty much, you know, yeah. it's a bass. Um. I don't even know how to say this guy's name. Oh, shit. He's from Norway. Dag Rune Hathundrun. Okay. Perfect. You got I it. Think perfect, I nailed it. Man. If you do, you have to clean it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
Sorry, mate. I just you got butchered, it perfect. I butchered the name. But that's what's going to happen when you get an Aussie doing it. Um, love, love what you were doing in the podcast. It is very interesting. There you go. Uh, I discovered Tribal Tech twenty years ago. It really is it how long? More than that, because we did our first album in '85. Wow. Wow. Okay. I still love to hear the, those songs from time to time. Oh, this guy's reminiscing. Um, <laughs> uh, he, so he's, he's the one. <laughs> I ended up studying my. I'm just looking at what the question. I'm trying to find the, the question, question here. Come on, dog. I had I had a dream earlier to be a jazz musician. <laughs> oh boy, that was a nightmare. It was a nightmare. Right? Dream. It was a nightmare. <laughs> but I did not believe I had the skills to make money on that, so I became an engineer. <laughs> so what? He thinks trains are better than jazz guitar. <laughs> believe me, railroad trains are out. I did too. not believe I had the skills to make money. Uh, even the great jazz players don't make money. What's he talking about? Look, he's right. <laughs> I have been busting my ass off for 10 years to make a career for myself. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay, I'm trying to find so that. So he's an engineer now. He's a big and he, thing. And he ride, what train does he ride? <laughs> <laughs> he just, he hope that wasn't too gay for the macho sexist. I, I'm not trying to work, I'm trying well, to work you didn't you. say that, did you? <laughs> no, I, he said it. Could oh. you please ask Scott to name a few cool fusion bands from Wikipedia? More Wankopedia, please. See, this is this is okay. People like cool Wankopedia. fusion bands. Name a fusion band. Name a fusion band. Well, Weather Report. Well, Weather Report, <laughs> Mavishu Orchestra. You know, those are those are my favorite two. Um, you know, fusion bands that kind of started the whole thing off. And uh, yeah, that's that's it. Not all I can think of right Bruce, now. Bruce, have you got any fusion bands you want to? I know there's more. Dixie Dregs was a pretty good fusion oh, band. I was know? into Dixie Dregs. Yeah, mm. yeah they I weren't love... really so much jazz fusion, but they were more like country, kinda, hillbilly, country classical, a little bit. Kinda, I love yeah. Steve Moore. Well, yeah, Mr. Have you Morse. met? Do you know Steve? Yeah, I, I've met him a few times. Very nice, nice cat, and very great guitar player. Great right? guitar. He plays. Really. Doesn't he fly planes or something? Or does he does. He's a pilot, pilot and has his pilot. Has ha, he's had his pilot's license for many, many years. I have a solo license, but I never got my pilot's license. Oh, really? Yeah. Whoa. I flew I flew before I could drive because my dad had planes. My dad had little Cessnas. Really? So I got my pilot's license before I got my driver's license. Wow. Not my pilot's license, my solo license. Right. But I never did it enough to, to, to get a pilot's license. Did you Did you ever continue any? No, I just you... didn't. I didn't continue because it hurt my ears. It really oh, yeah. did. Like going up in Cessnas always yep. really bothered my ears. And I, I thought if I'm going to do this all the time, I'm probably going to fuck up my ears. Wow. But it was fun, you know, flying up there all by yourself and landing. That's always the fun part. Yeah. <laughs> Hoping you're going to land. You, well, it's fun if you make it. <laughs> it's fun if you make it's it. really great if you make yeah. it. See, here we have a guy who wanted, um, he said, great. He loved the show with Tim and Pete. Uh-huh. Um, really loved that. We got a lot of great th- and. The John Pisano. We've got more John coming up to everyone out there. Um, I think the guests have to be physically present to really make it work. That's what this guy says anyway. Anyway, get What is he insinuating that they weren't? Yeah, they were. I don't know what he's talking about. Alan Hines. You know Alan, right? Yeah. 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 A lot of excitement there. (laughs) We we could bring Alan in and a bunch of girls. (laughs) I bought a pedal off Alan years ago. He's a funny guy. Oh, I like Alan. He's funny. 
Uh, whatever go the Tulku plays. All right, so but Henderson is crazy and Foreman is very clever. Oh, oh, oh! Hello, Henderson oh, is crazy. I'm the clever one. No, like, see, he doesn't know which voice he's hearing. Oh, he's like he's gonna I, next. He's gonna say I'm sexist. This is from Dana, um, and he says I don't often laugh out loud, but <laughs> when <Henderson> I do, <laughs> is crazy and Foreman is very clever. Wise, wise, wise acre. Wise acre. Yeah. Wise acre. Old it's, guy. It's an term. American term mm-hmm. uh, for Australian. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Um, <laughs> so what is, what's his point? <laughs> that was it. That's oh, all cool. I got. Well, I appreciate Great. that I'm a clever Thank wise acre. <laughs> Thanks for reading that, Troy. That right. was really and Scott understand. is crazy and sexist. It's true. <laughs> that, was, that was a great letter. Um, all right, here's one. Love the podcast. I'm a Brit living in Denmark. Well, we apologize. Um, For which one? <laughs> For both. <laughs> this is Neil Hodgkinson. Hodg- Hodgkinson. Um, I just listened to episode 20 where Bruce riffs on great teachers. Bruce, you remember doing that? In episode Riff, 20? Riffs or rips? Riffs. Okay. So Mike Outram, who yeah. wrote that post, is a hero. Oh, cool. Okay, the Electric Campfire is a great community. We discussed blah, 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 blah. Oh, we discuss stuff that comes up on the guitar. Oh, this is why I put this in this uh, folder. Because these guys, um, the Electric Campfire has a great community. We discuss, discuss stuff that comes up on Guitar Wank on the forum regularly. Regular. Rarely. Uh, Mike really Jesus Christ. Troy's wasted. Troy I'm not, is I'm like, not yeah. wasted. It's no, been that a long birthday day. party was really. What did they have in the punch? Troy man? came to, into the podcast drunk, and right, now he's no, completely wasted. Great. I'm liking this. <laughs> this it's is okay. awesome. Anyway, that's why there was a the band in a box, and uh, he's talking. <laughs> <laughs> you're all over the place. I, <laughs> this guy is like got ADD, or you're like. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I you know how disjointed you sound yeah, right now. It really is. You know, if, if he were playing a song, the form would be A D D A. This is why I don't play jazz. This is because it would be just or A D H D. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Ask the question. Okay. So, um, was there a question there? Or was that um, just sort of like you know? No, I wanted to bring up the forum. There's a oh, forum. There's okay. actually a forum about where they talk about bank? what we're talking oh, about. Oh, cool, man. So right now, when they listen to this, they're going to talk about how much I fucked up that question. Oh, cool. <laughs> oh, that's good. You know, they'll, they'll yeah, maybe they'll maybe send you like a, a representative from, you know. From AA or something. Yeah, I was saying they can talk about the evils of drinking. I, yeah. I, I'm, I just had a long day. Just, just. He's had a long day. That kid wakes him up early in the morning. It's tough being Australian. <laughs> hey, Scott sounds a bit like Frank Zappa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Musically says, or his voice? the things I say. No, no. He says, Peter Bergman says, not playing the guitar, but when he speaks, it reminds him of a bit of Frank. Oh, yeah. that's a compliment. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, Frank yeah. was an intelligent your guy. Quality, your voice quality, too. Okay. I'd, I'd always like to think that I'm somewhat intelligent, though many people have disagreed. <laughs> well, did, yeah, anybody that would like to think that has got a problem. Did, e- <laughs> did either of you guys meet Frank Zappa? No, I saw him live two times. Oh, you did? I saw him live as well. Oh, I never got a chance to meet him, although John Pisano, who we had here. That's right. You know, he, have you seen that amazing picture? Yes, I have. I haven't seen it. Yeah. Where, where, where there's a picture 
with John Pisano, Joe Pass, uh, uh, Tommy, Tommy Tedesco, Tedesco, and Frank Zappa, and Frank yeah. Zappa, and a couple other guys. I think Mike Anthony mm-hmm. might have been there. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike and, Anthony and, from Van Halen. They're all just hanging out at Michelli's having dinner. Really? And there's a guitar, and Tommy's got the guitar. Yeah, oh. it's if you go to like <clears throat> guitar, you know, if you go to Guitar Night Facebook page. Yeah. John Pizzano's Guitar Night. I'm sure someone I think will, it's on there. I think it's the cover photo. Someone will post it on our yeah. Facebook site or something. What did you guys think of his music? Oh, man. It's so amazing. On every level. It's so difficult, challenging. It's so innovative. It's so funny. It's so culturally aware. It's just got everything going for it. You know what I mean? I think. It just hits on all cylinders. I mean, it's kind of hard to listen to sometimes, but it's challenging to play, challenging to hear. Social, I mean, God, it's like what art's supposed to be. That's what I think. Yeah. Okay, Scott. You... I'm not as I wasn't as big a fan back then, you right. know, because I was listening to a lot of other stuff <clears throat> more than that. But I can say for sure that there are tunes that I thought were just totally genius. Yeah. You know, and then there were some some tunes that I didn't feel that way about. I didn't feel like like from a compositional standpoint that they were that strong. He was just it felt but, like sometimes but, he was fucking with it. Well, it felt like sometimes <laughs> that he was putting notes together randomly. Right. You know, and just the fact that a tune is difficult to play doesn't mean it's good. You know, so so I would think sometimes that that it reminded me a little bit of Schoenberg. Wait a minute, sometimes. that's what jazz is about. <laughs> now, now, yeah, I mean, right, now, now that's what jazz no, is it about. It reminded me a little bit of Schoenberg sometimes, where you listen to the music and it's just it's harmonically you mean all over the place. Schoenberg, yeah, sorry, <laughs> and it's, and it's, it's harmonically all over the place. It's kind of like. Uh, the 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 patterns of the melodies are all over the place. It's not what you'd call melodic music with with harmony that's sort of you know i don't know makes sense in the way that i hear harmony right but yet you'd listen to it and you'd go god damn a lot of work went into writing that piece of music whether you like it or not (laughs) there's like it's a lot of really really hard arranging that went into it whether you like it as a composition or not you've got to respect the arranging yeah, because the arranging was fucking incredible. And, and Everything I, that he did and was incredible. I also think on the artistic yeah. level, because you know, I mean, again, I would concur with Scott. A lot of it I didn't like, mm. to be honest with you. But um, it was, and I always wonder how to pronounce this word, but prescient. You know, seeing the future. I think it was very when you consider the time it was written and and how you look at today, how music has become so overly technical and over in my estimation it's it's become overly technical and overly competitive and overly uh technologi- technologicalized whatever hey. the word is you know i mean uh he, he was doing that back in the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. and now the world is just catching up to that mm-hmm. but then and again on that level of art yeah and commentary it's 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 otherworldly, amazingly genius. It is, especially when you figure that there were also political political statements that were being said in the music yeah. that were very, like at that time, very controversial. You know, he really was a smart guy, yeah. and he really saw 
a lot of the dumb shit that people in his day didn't see. Yeah. That he saw. Because before his time, he was a lot of shit, right? Yeah. If you listen to that music from a certain lens, you can hear him predicting the And he was a genius. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Now, on a compositional level, something that was going on around the same time was Gentle Giant, which, now that, to me, is, is, it's like, for a musician, well, like, like myself, that I appreciate a lot more, because the compositions, to me, are a lot more real. Right. You know, it's like the, the music is, uh, I don't want to say that it's more traditional, because it certainly isn't, but I think that those composers were just, just way more talented. Yeah, as composers, right? You know, but but um, that's just my opinion. You know that, and and opinions don't <laughs> like mean assholes. It's, it's like assholes. It doesn't, it doesn't <laughs> mean anything. But to <laughs> me, you know, though that 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 composing, but they all smell. Uh, you know that <laughs> that composing, you know, can compete with Beethoven or Bach or Mozart or anybody. Yeah, that yeah. kind of composing, and and so of course I I respect that more. Because I tend to think of Zappa's music as more twelve-tone music. Mm. It's more random. It's more. It's crazier. You know, the notes don't relate to each other in the same way that I would want to hear notes relating to. It's yeah. more way more avant-garde. Yeah, than, avant- yeah than, than I like. That was his vibe. Yeah, yeah that the, it was a very avant-garde vibe. But there were those tunes that weren't. You know, and there were those tunes every once in a while he would write that you would go, "Whoa, some serious." Really great chord choices there. Really great note choices. Really nice things happening. You know, that's the stuff I liked more yeah. than the other stuff that he wrote. Yeah. But yeah. but th- was he a genius? Absolutely. You know, just just oh, so for the arranging levels, right? on a, alone. Just you know, when I saw his band live, it's the first time I'd ever seen anything that progressive. You know, along with like a major light show, the whole thing. Terry Bozio on drums, who was killer. Yeah. The Fowler brothers were killer. And, and I mean, those guys, they, they were playing some great music. And, and it was jazzier. I saw one of the jazzier gigs because, because there, were a lot of, there were a lot of free moments where the band would just play and there were jazz solos and, yeah. and they were grooving and it was like grooving and even sometimes funky rock music. Yeah. And it was like, wow, you know, this is... This is a lot more normal than I thought it was going to be. This yeah. is a lot more like grooving and just totally burning, really. Because, I mean, the Fowler brothers, Jesus Christ, but those guys f- play their asses off. And they were soloing a lot. Frank really let them play. Yeah. And, uh, and he played a lot of guitar. And that's another thing I really appreciated about that particular concert. Because w- I'm one of the guys that really likes Frank Zappa's guitar playing. Um, it was quirky and weird. It's almost like Thelonious Monk on the guitar. <laughs> just like really out weirdness. But he had such a voice on the guitar. He really sounded like nobody else. Yeah. And I really dug his tone. And um, that was a fun show. I got, I'm glad I saw that particular show. Where was that? Good question. Was it LA? Um, Were you in Los Angeles? God, yes, it was. I can't remember where it was. <clears throat> Yeah, but um, yeah, that was one of the better concerts I saw during the, in, in that couple of years. Yeah, really good. Uh, you say so you saw him in San Francisco. Yeah, I saw him in San Francisco, and I'm going to ruin, I think, uh, my political career, my future here. But I was on acid at the time. What? And um, and it was mind-blowingly beautiful, amazing. It was just great. 
Wow. I'm pretty sure it was Winterland. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. It wasn't the main act, too. I think it was the opening act for somebody else. Wow. Who was the main I'm not, act? I'm not sure. Remember? I mean, I can't remember. Because you're high. Big, be, no, because like Zappa <laughs> blew my mind. Wow. Uh, whoever went after, if there was somebody after, it might not have been. It didn't matter. See, that's one of the coolest things about you. You were in San Fran when it was all happening. Yeah, I wasn't. I was interested in bebop. But I was at Winterland <laughs> listening to Zappa, and I yeah. was heavily moved by it. You that's know, I mean, freaking cool, I'm not dude. an idiot. I'm just, I just act like one. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Clay Wesley says that's a, about Zappa. Zappa, what a catalog! This oh, huge, ridiculous, man. yeah, ridiculous. Um, uh, this guy Clay Wesley found Bruce on um, Jude Cold Gold's podcast. Oh, Jude Gold, yeah, yeah. He's, hey Jude, would, hey Jude, would Jude promote us <laughs> on Guitar Player Magazine? Is it Guitar Player? Magazine? Yeah, he promotes us, and we promote him. Jude, Jude's well, we haven't cool promoted him before. No guitar is safe. It's called. I think. Oh, that's right. No, because yeah, he had. I um, oh, forget who he just had on there. It was interesting. Yeah, he had a cool one. It was the cock. The who? Greg Cock. Oh, Greg. Yeah. Yeah, Greg's going to come on the show. He's our show. Yeah. Oh, okay. I've cool. already reached out to Greg. Okay. Well, he was on just on Jude's show. He's hilarious. Yeah. He's a funny guy. Great yeah. player. Do you know Greg? Mm-mm. Great. Great. He does a lot of stuff for Fender and all that. Great. Funny guy and great player. And he, he does a lot of web stuff and that. But I asked him if he'd come on the show and he said he'd love to. If he's in town, he'll come. Yeah, but Jude's, Jude's podcast is really cool. So what's, what's... Can't be better than ours, though. No, no. It's completely different. Oh, it's not even in the same league. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't have his own picks. Oh, he doesn't? No. He doesn't have a cool logo like ours. No, of course the, not. If you're listening to this, you know the, who did our logos? The, one of the guys from The Simpsons, right? Yeah, he's the art guy from The Simpsons. How, you know How fucking cool is that? I grew up on The Simpsons. Like, in Australia, Me when too. I was a little that kid. That explains a lot. It does. <laughs> <laughs> but I grew up on that shit. To think that I'd be involved in something where our logo was designed by one of the guys. And if you look at the logo, you can see The Simpsons in it. Mm-hmm. Well, you can't. Actually, you know what I mean. Well, we would get sued if you could. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm I'm pretty stoked about that, Scott. I've been a fan for yours yours forever. I think you are too hard on yourself. Yeah, too hard, Scott. Oh boy, You're too you, hard on you yourself, just, mate. Well, you just learn to soften up. Yeah, come bit. on, Clay Wesley loves you, but you're way too hard on yourself, and it relates to the tones of your earlier records. Those tones ha- you had fit the music and fit the time. And also must have fit the sound you heard in your head. But now, of course, the sound you are chasing is different. It is a never-ending quest. Thank you, Boy, Clay. Boy, this guy, this guy is like He a just therapist. nailed you, Scott. He's a therapist. <laughs> well, I, yeah. think, I think I just lost my job. <laughs> I was going to be your therapist, but I think what this he guy loves is... He loves it. And he says, uh, Troy, why do we never hear about your musical experiences? Why do we never hear yeah, about Yeah, how come? Music? Bitch. <laughs> what the hell? Because... Because I'm hanging out with two monster players and I played with a lesbian group that traveled the world. <laughs> well, I want to hear about that. Tell us about the, your vegetarian experience. My musical ex- escapades have just taken me to the stratosphere of success. And that would be, I played with a band Tattoo, T-A-T-U. And you might remember them. They were two Russian lesbian girls. That was signed on Interscope Records in 2002, 2003. And I joined them and I got to travel <laughs> yeah, the yeah, world. Yeah, you joined them? I joined them. 
Okay. They couldn't really in do anything. In a biblical sense? <laughs> I, no, we all no, tried to join Chinese them in that sense. sense. <laughs> <laughs> but um, they, would, they, they looked amazing and they took amazing photographs, but they were horrible performers, to be honest. I just, they couldn't really do anything. But I was happy to tour the world and get paid for it at the time. Yeah. And then I did um, Enrique Iglesias for a little bit and Kelly Clarkson. And then... Um, oh, I didn't know you played with Kelly Clarkson. For a little bit. It was She's like... nice to work for well, she was great. I was working. Randy Jackson hired me to do the gig, and we had a week of rehearsals. And then, basically, the old guitarist come back, mm-hmm. who was a Texan, and her, him, and Kelly were best friends or good friends. And he was had the Enrique gig, and he got fired from that. So he come back to Calais, and I got the boot from Kelly. So I was like, oh, I wonder who got the Enrique gig. I'll try oh. and get that gig. And I got the Enrique gig. Okay. So I went to Enrique and I did like a little bit with him and he fires well, guitarists. Like, okay, like, explain to me how this works because I, you know, I... I well, this is the you, pop like, You got bumped from Kelly Clarkson. I got because, bumped from because, Kelly. Because Texan dude gets Come back. your gig. Yep. And then... You knew that he'd been fired from, from Enrique. Enrique. So you want to you so you figure, well fuck it, I'll take his gig. But there's only, a, there's only about a thousand guitar players in Los Angeles. Well what no, happened no, was only about fifty thousand What happened players. was one of my best friends knew um, is a drummer, is a big drum guitar tech a drummer tech guy for everyone in the business. And he knew the old guitar player for Enrique who actually went on to play with Guns N' Roses. He was good friends with him, and he called him and said, hey, did, is Enrique looking for a guitarist? Oh, and okay. He threw my name in, mm-hmm. and I got the gig like that. Oh, that's And how cool. much did Enrique work? Like, a lot? Did, was he touring a no, lot? No, we did a week of rehearsals in Miami, and that was it. What? Yeah. No gig? You, you didn't even go We did a couple of live recordings, um, and that was pretty much it. I didn't get... I come back to LA, and I dropped everything at the time to go on tour, because we were going on a big world tour mm-hmm. and then i went back to australia to organize my visa and my all my immigration stuff and then as i was landing in los angeles i got an email from um the the musical director or someone in their camp saying oh we're gonna try another guitarist because he was known for he changed his guitarist like underwear really? apparently yeah oh, he, he had greg greg howe on guitar greg howe you're right, he did. He had Greg Howe on guitar yeah. and fired he his did. ass. He did, I remember um, that. So yeah, I lasted a blink of an eye of Enrique, which was actually great because I actually went back to, I was with Tattoo took off again and I made way more money and got to see way more of the world with them. Right. But it wasn't a really prestigious kind of gig. It was just well, more power I mean, chords. And, just the fact that you're working, man. Most musicians yeah, are. <laughs> I was happy. And then I did uh, three years with Wilson Phillips touring and that was a lot of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And then... Natalie and Bruglia and a couple other things and writing and recording and I have a business. He's done more than we have. Is well, really I have, I'm not a jazz. See, I'm I'm a jazz admirer student, and that's why I put this podcast together because I want to hear what the ah, real jazz guys are doing. Uh, well, boy, it just it just goes to show how <laughs> fucked up you are. Yeah, Australians are really dumb. Yeah. I just are. realized <laughs> that you know two rocks tied together. <laughs> It was it was better for me to look at jazz from afar than try and complain. Way better, believe me, trust me, from from the inside. And now I have a business that does music for TV and film and trailers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, now you got a business. I like got a the rest business. of us, we just have a career, sort of. And um, He's got a business. 
I have a business. And <laughs> we get the business. He's got a business. <laughs> <laughs> and I record and do my own stuff. And yeah, I don't play jazz because it's oh, fucking way too hard. Who'd want to play that music? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, guys. There's another one down, and uh, we'll continue these questions in the next coming weeks. We've got more to come on that. You are li- now listening to uh, Vibe Station with Scott Henderson. And I think the first track was uh, one of Bruce's songs of his album, Book of Foreman. You can get those from them. Just go to their websites. Uh, you can find them on iTunes and all that kind of stuff too, I think. Uh, remember... Send your audio questions in if you have any. We really would love to hear from you all and uh, we'll play them on the show. Keep your questions coming. Again, uh, thank you for all your support. We will see you next week and uh, please be safe out there. Look after each other and uh, keep guitar wanking. Oh, one One last thing. Scott, has Larry Carlton ever come to one of your gigs? Um, no, but he's, but I met him, um, the last time Travis had a gig at the Baked Potato, he was there. Oh, okay. And so I, 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 but I've met him a few times and, you know, I always come up and say hi to him because, you know, I, I, I like Larry. He's a nice cat. What a great player. Yeah, man. Really great. Would he and, come um, on the show? Is that, I or was not his vibe? Well, I don't know. It's No, it's not. He's it's pretty, not. he's pretty straight. He's a little straight for this straight show. Straight laced yeah. and yeah. He's we're, a real we're, gentleman we're kind of guy. straight laced. Well, is he? No, fucking him. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Can we be straight legs? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I swear to God, I'll wear a white shirt and a black tie. <laughs> right. Do the oh, Book man. of Foreman for him. Mm-hmm.